You're listening to the Daily Mishnah Podcast with Benedict. So we're going to close out the fifth chapter of Master Sheni and indeed the whole tractate of Master Sheni with a historical update. And it's, it's quite a surprising historical update. Yochanan Kohen Gadol Hevir Chodayot HaMaaser Yochanan the high priest stopped the declaration of the Maaser. He stopped people doing this. And he is, by the way, one of the generations of the Hasmoneans. So he must be around 100 years before the common era. So he's a one of the children of the of the Hasmoneans who came to power after the uh, after the war against the Greeks. So this is a <coughs> hundred years before the Common Era, and he stopped people doing it. And there are different explanations as to why. And the Bartonura actually has a history that alludes to Ezra stopping the people giving the. Maser um, to, to the Levi'im because the Levi'im didn't come back from Babylon. So, for whatever reason, the practice of giving Maser is not being completed fully in the time of Yohanan and he stops it. And he also stops Afubitel. He's making various changes. Afubitel et Mo'ororim. Who are the Mo'ororim? Well, look at the Tehillah. Uh, in the next, uh, just below, Ura Lama Tishan Hashem Hakitsa Altiznach Lanetzach. Wake up! Why do you sleep? It's a, an address to God to wake up. It's one of the Tehillim that the Levi'im actually used to sing. So m- maybe the him did, the Levi'im didn't come back from from Barvel, but hang on, they're certainly singing in the temple. And he doesn't like this to Hiller because it suggests that God is sleeping. So he stopped them. Sing, he stopped them singing. And then he He stopped the strikers. The strikers are people who used to. I mean, different commentators used to strike animals that were about to be sacri- sacrificed. And um, again, the Bartonura says they used to strike it on its head to make it bleed a little bit so he couldn't see when they would turn it up and upside down to shecht it. Or maybe they used to strike it to stun it. But at, at any, I mean, in the first case, it makes it look like a blemished animal is being offered up on the altar. In the second case, it looks like a stunned animal is being shechted. And he stopped it. And then, And until his time, you could hear the hammer in Jerusalem. And this seems to be during Cholamoed. I mean, generally we don't work in Cholamoed, but a urgent work was carried out on Cholamoed. And he stopped it. He stopped this work because it, it essentially degraded the essence of the festival to have the sound of hammers banging on copper through the whole of the city. And in his time, people no longer needed to ask about Damai. They assumed effectively that anything that they bought from an Am- from an Amharats, from someone who wasn't strict about tithing, they assumed that it was 
doubtfully tithed and he ordained that they just had to separate the parts that they had just had to separate the Trumat Maser which went to the Kohen the tenth of the tenth and the Maser Sheni which they could eat themselves in Jerusalem so the financial cost of keeping Truman Maser was far reduced and maybe that's the connection with Maser Sheni that um, maybe that's why the tractate finishes on this point because he essentially he waives many of the tithes but he makes sure that Maser Sheni is still observed maybe that's why the tractate finishes at this point and for reference, if you want to look at it later, I've actually put the Barthenura's explanation, which is very, very long, uh, just at the end of the source sheet. And I don't want to go into it now because we need to keep moving. And I, but I, I just I do want to say the Hadran because we've gone through Maser Sheni. Hadran alach Masachet Maser Sheni. We will return to you Maser Sheni. Ve Hadrachalan. And you will return to us. Our mind is on you, tractate Maser Sheni, and your mind is on us. You will not be forgotten by us, tractate Maser Sheni, and you will not forget us. Not in this world, and not in the next world. So we kind of keep our minds on the Masachet of Maser Sheni and we think it keeps its mind on us. And we move, we close out the Masachet and we move on to the Masachet of, um, of Chala. Chalan Maser Sheni are there. There anyway. We're going to see they're closely connected. Um, we're going to see they're closely connected, and but in order to see that, we in order to approach the Masachet of Chala, we need we need a pasuk. And as ever, we always start the Masachet with a pasuk, and this pasuk actually comes from the Sedra of Shalach. Of the spies, Shlach Lacha Anashim, send spies or send people to spy out the land. And that is a disastrous, it's a disastrous episode in the life. In, it's a disastrous episode in the history of the people of Israel. They come to the edge of the land, they're afraid to go into the land. And at the end of that disastrous story, they are given a mitzvah related to going into the land as if. Um, uh, God is saying, look, we know you're not going to go into the land. We promise that your children's generation will go in. And here's a mitzvah that they're going to fulfill when they come into the land. Speak to the people and say, when you enter the land and you eat, when you enter the land, which I give you, and, I, and you eat of the bread of the land, Tarimu truma lashem. You're going to take up some truma. You're going to take up a gift for God. Reshit arisotechem. The first yield of your. It's translated here as baking. 
but it's dough actually. Reshit arisote chem, the first bit of your dough. Chala tarimutruma, you shall set aside a loaf as a gift. Kitrumat goren, like the gift from the threshing floor. So in other words, the gift, the gift from the dough is like the gift from the threshing floor. Chala is a kind of maaser, just like truma. It's just like truma and maaser. It's a tax. And then the pasuk goes on. Me reshit arisote chem from the from the from the beginnings of from the first part of your dough. Titanu lashem truma le dorote chem. You shall make a gift to God from the first year of your baking. Le dorote chem throughout the ages. That's the verse. And there's a dispute brought down in, in the Mishnah in Eduyot as to how much you have to give. The verse doesn't say you have to, the verse says you have to take some out. But it doesn't say how much you have to take out. And it doesn't say how much dough is subject to the law of Chalam. And the question of how much dough is subject is a dispute in the Mishnah of Eduyot. And Beit Hillel says it's two cubs. And Shammai says it's one cuff. The cuffs are just about a litre, actually. Maybe it's a litre and a half. Something like that. And the sages compromise on a cuff and a half. So that's somewhere about... Um, a, if a cuff is about a litre, it's it's about... It's getting on for two litres. It? It's, it's getting on for one and a half litres, which is not far off from one and a half kilos. Which is more or less the measure we use today, actually, about one and a half kilos of dough, and you have to take challah. We kind of know that. And the Mishnah is then going to begin having so that's a dispute in Eduyot. It's actually not brought in the Masechet, but the Masechet begins by talking about what kinds of grain are subject to challah. And we're going to get into the five species. There are five species which are subject to challah. And these are the five species that the land of Israel is known for. Wheat, barley, spelt, oats and rye. These are the five famous species. And they're subject to challah. And dough made from different kinds of grains, if it's all kneaded together, it all adds up to make up the one and a half kilos. And all kinds of other halachot apply to these grains. So, for example, their new harvest is prohibited prior to Pesach. So it's a pasuk in Emor. The all grain, the lechem kali lotochlu ad haviachemet omer hatznufah. We bring an omer of new grain the day after Pesach. And the new crop can't be eaten until the omer has been brought. The, the, so the new harvest is prohibited prior to Pesach. You can't reap it prior to the Omer being bought. And then the Mishnah concludes, If they took root before the Omer is brought, then the Omer frees them. The Imlav, if they took root after Pesach, okay, so this is late, late grain. I mean, most grain is, remember in a dry country, most grain is sprouting through the winter and is going to be harvested after Pesach, but it's already taken root. If it took root after Pesach, 
If it took root after Pesach, you can't eat it until the next year's Omer. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Daily Mishnah Podcast with Benedict. Benedict.